and I'll YouTube the shit out of like roller coaster shit or theme park shit. Roller coaster shit, huh? Yeah. I like looking at roller coasters. I like seeing videos about roller coasters, but I think I'm retired from riding roller coasters. But you also like, like yo-yos. I do like yo-yos. You like yo-yos. I do. He that's, is a yo-yo That's what I paid. Okay. That was I the first like Patreon I did. I have a yo-yo here, with and me. I'm going to throw in this <laughs> intro because there's there's a lot of gold. I have a yo-yo with me, obviously. Into. You're going to smoke the cigar before you eat the sandwich. Welcome to Pancom Podcast oh, with me, Disaster. Mike Beltran, Nick the Sound Guy, and today our special guest... Danny Surfer, everyone! <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you're going to smoke the cigar before you eat the sub? Oh, oh no, oh, you just no disrespected rhyme. the fuck out of him. The sub's not getting any better. Well, you just I disrespected I, I, the fuck out of Danny Surfer. The cigar's going to no. age a little better over the you're next right, hour. You're right, you're right. The sub's not going to age as well as the cigar. No, it's all right if you're not hungry. No, you're 100% right. I'd like to point out for all of our listeners that Nick will probably edit out all the criticisms that he just got. Nope. Over the oh, last 20 minutes in. by no, Danny Surfer. No, it was constructive, just like you said because in an episode from a while ago. Oh, See, man. you don't know this. You don't know this. <laughs> Danny is really like bringing up like past shit. I don't even remember what happened on past episodes. I, I know Salina, Kansas. There's a lot of people there <laughs> that listen to you. But I am your just biggest – I am the biggest fan of Pancom Podcast. <laughs> so – Mike, Mike doesn't know this, but I actually have told multiple like listeners who've reached out to us. Yeah, get that shit out of here. What, what are you doing with your phone? Who reach out to us on, on Instagram and all the rest of that. And I tell them – I know some people on our show aren't fans of these, but I want the one-star reviews. I, I can use that. They can be useful. Yeah, I want service. the one-star. Thank you. Look at this service. Uh, I would never do a one-star review. I would always give a constructive criticism. Like, I, what it was, I don't know if you caught it before, I want to support this on Patreon, but the link wasn't yeah, so clear. Right it wasn't there. so easy. Boom. Uh, wow, yeah, no, but, but you're right. You're right. It's, it's, it's not easy to find, especially if... If I did find is, the right one... It might confirm my thing that's not so easy because I think you only had $28 or 28 people yeah, being supported like a month. Yeah. yeah. This is my coffee. Although we now have a sponsor, which we're, right. we're going to be shouting out That's awesome. sometime is soon. Is it the same sponsor? Yeah, yeah. So this will... Uh, you want to lead off with our sponsorship? You, uh, give, me, give me a second. Gotta get you got to pull it up. So Anyways, so Danny have, Surfer, everyone. So let's, the let's, owner and operator of Mignonette. Yep. Blue Collar yep. and the newly opened Vinaigrette Sub Shop in downtown Miami. And let's say a little bit about each of those for yeah. our New Hampshire and traveling nurse in Minnesota <laughs> audience. Sorry. Maine, Portland. We're big in, in Portland, Portland, Maine. Yeah. Big. Oh, yeah, I heard they're that. They're not great at linens, I, but they're great at podcasts. I have so. a story about a kid from Portland, Maine, because I, I went to school in Vermont for a little while, and it's not the greatest story. Oh, <laughs> now you got to tell the story. It, it involves being a bunch of fucking freshmen and sophomores in college in your dorm room doing things you do in your dorm room. Perfect. And then getting caught and somebody from Portland, Maine ratting everyone else out to save their ass. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, someone's always going to rat everyone out. All right. So before we get into our, our ad time, let's let the people who are listening know. A little bit more about what each of those restaurants oh, are. And for me? Or yeah, yeah. yeah talk about Blue Collar. No. We all know that's your favorite. Blue Collar is my first restaurant I ever opened in Miami. Uh, for all you Salina, Kansas visitors, it's called Blue Collar. You may enjoy it. And it is full of stick-to-your-ribs comfort food. Yes, we is. have different yes. braises every day. We have different ribs. The portions are gargantuous. There's a lot of meaty shit going on there. You also have a lot of vegetables. And we have a lot of We try and balance it out. We have a ton of vegetables. Some of them do have meat in them. And it's just like when I was at that point in my life, and it's kind of the stuff I like to eat growing up. And, you know, I like big plates of food with big flavors. 
I like braised stuff. I like mashed potatoes. And it's kind of like that, like contemporary American comfort. Mignonette is the second restaurant that Wait, I opened. How long was Blue Collar open before you opened Mignonette? Blue Collar, op- I opened Blue Collar in January of 2012 and opened Mignonette in August of 2014. So two years and some change, almost cool. three years. Mignonette opened. Uh, it's a oyster bar and seafood restaurant. It was supposed to be a small thing right next to Blue Collar where people get oysters and beer while they're waiting to get into Blue. Uh, and that space kind of fell through and we found another space we liked and it was so big we had to kind of make it a restaurant. So now it's oysters, a whole like restaurant full of seafood dishes, a lot of vegetables and just anything kind of in that arena with a New Orleans kind of point of view. So Uh we have a lot of redfish, we have gumbo, we're about to put an etouffee on the menu, stuff like that. And Vinaigrette is a sub shop we opened a few months ago because Ever since Blue Collar, we were like, that is too easy to spell. We want things that are hard for people to spell. So we had mm. Blue Collar and Mignonette, <laughs> Mignonette, and now we have Vinaigrette, which if you can't spell it and go to VinaigretteSubs.com, it'll redirect you because I own the improperly spelled website as well. So it's <laughs> <laughs> part of the mission statement of Vinaigrette is to get people to spell the word properly because it's difficult. And there we serve all your classic subs, turkey, ham, roast beef. Uh, with a folk with a large selection of Italian specialties, prosciutto, mortadella, Calabrian salami, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm the only one with headphones on. So okay. the two of you are not aware, but listeners are going to get a lot of uh, saliva and lip smacking oh, over the course man. of the last minute or so because yeah, I'm eating add, a vinaigrette. Let me add to it. Oh, uh, it's like a, yeah, there we go. It's like oh, make sure you get yeah, chew chew right into that thing. Yeah, chew right into that. This thing. is very similar, like a commercial. Yeah, there so it Frita is. So commercial. So sub commercial. Uh, we're going to come back in a moment with more chewing sounds, which is great radio. And uh, but this sandwich is, is fucking awesome. Thank you. That uh, is our vinaigrette. Our this is namesake. the thing. This is the namesake. It's uh, prosciutto, mortadella, Calabrian salami, sapersetta, truffled pecorino, mayonnaise, and lettuce, nice. and vinaigrette. That's my kind of sandwich right there. Now a word from our sponsors. That's right. Many thanks to our friends at La Caja China. Mike, on the last two, on the last episode of the podcast, uh, you told a story about falling asleep and failing in a cajachina endeavor. Oh, fuck, uh, man. Endeavor. We got to bring that shit up again? <laughs> yeah, man. And then we explained to uh, Tyler Malik uh, what a cajachina even is, because he's oh, not that's from around right. here. When we interviewed our, uh, our buddy from Sultanstraw. Yeah. Ah. So I think one thing that was sort of touched on lightly that we haven't really gotten deep into, and we can spend a minute or two on here, you've mentioned liking to cook other things besides a pig and ah, a cajachina. Yes. What are I, the other possibilities with cajachina? Well, the cajachina wonderfully sells a grill grate to go on top of the coals as you're cooking inside of the box. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I was intrigued by was cooking a whole fish. I cooked a 22-pound snapper. Wow. Yeah, it was, amb- it was ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I almost succeeded. I was like, it was like a 95%. That was going to come out... But yeah, I mean, I cooked the whole thing on top. Uh, I covered the top of it with uh, plantain leaves and then I flipped it. It was on the flip where I kind of fucked it up. But I mean, it was like perfect. I've also cooked uh, like whole calabasas on the inside. That sounds good. Um, like vegetables, like whole vegetables. That sounds real good. Um, so I actually did like double. I did like whole vegetables and then I did like a pork shoulder all at the same time. There are different cooking temps or, or times or whatever, but yeah. So the one thing I haven't used with that box is that they have a smoker attachment that I haven't used, uh, but I heard it's it's pretty awesome. So 
You know, I mean, I've always loved the versatility of that box. Yeah. You know, and the fact that, uh, I mean, the Cuban culture has kind of like nailed it down to a science, cooking a whole pig in there. But it's really good for several things. So Absolutely. So I'll throw out some information about the cajina that, that we got to do. So uh, the cajina is made right here in the U.S. and A. here in Miami, established in 1987. They are a family-run business. Again, you can go back into past episodes of the podcast and find our interview, actually my interview that I stole from Cigar Snob with Roberto Guerra. Uh, you can get to their website at lacajachina.com. That is L-A-C-A-J-A-China.com. Their Instagram is lacajachina BBQ Grills. Lacajachina BBQ Grills BBQ on Instagram. Grills. BBQ Grills. That's right. I sent me BBQ Grill. They have walk-in specials in their showroom. They called it a store. I'm going to call it a store for their sake, but also throw in that I'm going to say it's a showroom. It's a showroom. And that's at 7395 West 18th Lane in Hialeah, La Ciudad Que Progresa. <laughs> that's a great addition. We also think that shipping is free now, but don't quote us. Yeah, it was for some amount of time. I'm going to take a that's picture for our social media of all of our podcasting supplies. I got a sandwich, a sound <laughs> recorder, and a cigar. And this is basically like, this is what we're all about right here. Let's that, talk about... That a great Frida. Was it? Yeah. Um, am I about going to eat my words? Was there Kensington's involved there? No. Okay. We've already spoken about this. All right. I was just making sure. We could let everyone know that uh, Danny Surfer's adamant for his hatred for Sir Kensington's It's, it's not hatred. No. It's a preference of Heinz. You've, like, vehemently told me how much you dislike it. It sounds like hatred. I don't hate anything. When, you, when you're a father, <laughs> like I am, <laughs> you so can't nice. hate things. That's so nice. You can have a intense preference of one thing over another but hate is is very strong and well, that's very nice of you yeah. so um did i do this right I yeah, you did one of those. you did okay uh i and i like sir kensington's ketchup it I just expect. prices itself out of the market so you can't usually use it i think you have amazing taste i you know i like heinz <laughs> a lot i think heinz is great and i think sir kensington is great I told you when I discovered it, right? When I was eating in New York at, what's it, the April Bloomfield's place? They the Spotted do the, Pig? Yeah, the thrice-cooked fries that are amazing. And then, I, I mean, the fries were fine, but the fucking the ketchup. ketchup was <laughs> It's like, what is this ketchup? They were like, you guys make this? Like, no. Oh, okay. So well, it's still, I still prefer it over homemade ketchup. If you're making your own ketchup, I, I've never had a good one of those. It's just, listen, I think the home, the fact that we've eaten so much Heinz in our life has skewed our vision of what ketchup really is. There's a lot of fucking sugar in store-bought ketchup because it's a preservative. Am I wrong? I, I think you're correct, but I... I know. Well, I'm I, correct. I think they're engineered, Heinz is engineered to taste as good as it does. You know, it's balanced. It goes through a lot of quality control. They have their own, like, strain of tomato or vinegar, I believe. Uh-huh. So they have a lot of consistency and... I appreciate it. But I think what you're saying is also true. We grew up with it. It's hard to let it go. Right. Um, at least it's not hunts. I'm not, at least neither of them are hunts. <laughs> I'm, not ma- I'm not mad at anyone that's trying to make their own ketchup. You know? I think it's a very tall order to make your own ketchup and to make it good and that everyone likes it. I think it's almost impossible. Because everyone's just so, like, programmed to like Heinz. Anyways, this isn't a Heinz commercial. No, people. no. Jeez. Or, or Kensington. Fuck. This is about us. This is about our restaurant. This is about you. <laughs> Anyways, I want to uh, backtrack. I always say a little story about some of the people that we've had on here. And Danny Surfer was very pivotal in my four years here at Ariette. So 
I'd say two and a half years ago, we became friends. Maybe even closer to three, yeah. So, I, um, Area was, this was like during like the darker times of Area, and I don't remember how we said, hey, let's go have lunch. I don't remember where that, that you, happened. We were texting, we were flirting with each other through text. You were flirting with me. <laughs> I was flirting you were with recording you. me. Was this like, is this what they call a meet cute? I came, yeah. I came here <laughs> and but just. But this is, Danny liked bigger oh. Mike. You liked me when I was a little heftier. Oh, yeah. I like, I like skinny Mike too, but right now it looks like I ate the, with a part of you that doesn't exist anymore because I'm so big. <laughs> I think you look great. Um, I came here for dinner and I was just so blown away that then I had to start flirting with you through text. Oh, that's what it was. And right. then we decided we had our first lunch date at New. Which was great. That yeah. was actually my first time there and now I've been there several times. I just, I love that place. It's one of my favorite restaurants. Yeah, they do a great job. They're, so, and the downtown pillar. They are the downtown pillar. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So during like the very tough times, you had already had Blue Collar Minionette for a long time. So I asked you for a ton of advice. And a lot of people in the industry would usually shun giving somebody younger advice, especially when we're in the same competitive field. But you were super open. And I learned a lot from you in those like first six months of our friendship. Uh, because I, there was a lot of shit that I didn't know. So uh, I'm super fortunate to have friends like yourself and obviously Normans and Michaels, the people that could kind of like, I feel that area was shaped by a lot of people. And, you know, you were part of that too. So I can only say thank you for that. Oh, oh thank you. Um, That's very nice of you to say and to hear. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, and there was a lot of change too. You know, the, how long ago did that article come out about your sobriety? Um, I think it came out in April or May of 2017. Right. Well, so. I remember that was like a big thing for me too, because I was um in a big in a big need of a big change for me personally, and that just helped with my understanding of like you know how important sobriety and changing of a lifestyle is for longevity of us in our career. And I think that opened the eyes of a lot of people. And I think um, more people now are more open about uh, a sober lifestyle. I'm not saying that everyone has to live a sober lifestyle, but just uh, I, I use the word clean, clean, clean. Yeah, clean could be a lot of things. They're so. both they're both fine words, but the particular kind of recovery I have, we use the word clean. Okay, are you willing to say why? Uh, just there's different fellowships. For if you're in a 12-step program, right, and they have they, it's all 12 steps, and the steps are all the same; they're very similar. But there's a little bits of language that are different. And the one I use, we we just prefer to say clean. Mm. We feel it's you know, all encompassing. It's drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it could be whatever. Yeah, but it's it's a little more wide of a net. Right. Well, with that in in mind, I mean, I changed a ton of my lifestyle and you know that article that came out about you just made me reinforce the fact that it could be done and you know there was a lot of at that time that that article came out it was a lot of bigger chefs uh in the country like bigger names like sean brock came out about his issues and uh joe beef joe beef was a big one and i I, well they they were they were a little while after me they, was, well, that, <laughs> they were like yeah. a year later, but but the, what's the uh, Daniel Patterson too? I think wrote a piece, but it was more about mental health instead of like it's uh, a, the whole thing. 
Yeah, well, they're all related. It's all it's all related, but it just made me feel less alone right. about the idea because you know when you're on the pirate ship mm-hmm. of being a cook, you know everyone's on it together and everyone's kind of doing a lot of the same things. So no one's going to speak out and say, "Hey, you know, I I want to change my life," or you know, everyone's worried that if they say I want to change my life, they're going to look at you like, "Oh, you're a fucking pussy, man." Like that's that's always I I felt like when I was younger that was the worry, like, "Oh, you don't want to." You're not one of us. You You don't want to go out drinking all night and do limes till five in the morning? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, sounds like a good time. But, you know, it's... It's hard because when you're young and it's part of the culture, you're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I just did like 300 covers and we nailed it. I'm going to go out and get drunk with everyone and we're going to do a bunch of white stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're going to come back the next day and do the same fucking thing. It's going to be amazing. That's so cool. And I can sleep late. That's kind of one of the reasons I got into... Like went to cooking instead of law school. I thought I could sleep late, so I thought I could drink late and then sleep late. But then, as you know, you get higher up in your career, you become an owner, and there is no sleeping late. Yeah, I mean, my story is pretty similar. Um, you know, I was working at a restaurant, I was having a good time drinking, and just like I was like, man, I gotta have fun forever. It sounds great, but then it catches up to you, and I think that that's when the mental health aspect really starts to creep in later on in your career when you've been doing it for close to a decade or five years or six years and your body's just worn down and mentally you're like, where the fuck am I? So in several ways, you helped my, oh. me in my personal journey and in my career several times. So I can only say thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. You're, you're too kind with all the praise, but I, I appreciate it and I'll take it. I'll have to pay that forward a little and say that is all possible because uh, Chef Allen, the guy who mentored me for the first five years of my cooking career was like totally cool with me just like leaving service one Saturday and going to rehab instead of finishing service and he was very supportive of that decision and has been cool with me ever since he let me come back to the restaurant even though when I was in rehab I sent him an email like chef uh I can't come back there I quit yeah and then he let me come back and then he gave me the chance to lead that restaurant as a chef de cuisine and he was he was just an amazing influence and amazingly compassionate and patient and kind, allowing me to go through start my recovery journey. So, so the people in Salina can have context. Chef Allen, Allen Susser, see this move I'm about to pull. I pulled this. I'm Susser. learning from Nick here. <laughs> um, Allen Susser, part of the Mango Gang, right? Yep. Him one and of Norman. The, yeah, him and Norman, one of the pillars of like South Florida cuisine. He had Chef Allen's for 20-plus years? 25, 26 years. 26 James years. Beard winner. James Beard winner. I mean, he's – so it's like – and we've talked about this several times. Our careers are kind of parallel. Like, right. I worked for Norman. You worked for Chef Allen. So uh, that old-school mentality is, like, deep-rooted within us, I think. I, You know, I hear a lot of horror stories. Allen, in five years plus, never once yelled at me or threw anything at me or did anything to, like – really be a jerk like some of the chef de cuisines i worked under well i was there maybe but alan himself was only kind and soft-spoken and nice yeah people said the same about norman too and norman was like he's an amazing person to me and i can't thank him enough for everything he did for me so so um i can't thank you enough for having me on here and oh also God. producing what you produce here in chugs whenever anybody asks me where to eat in miami those two are in the those are two out of the five positions I always say. And I you know how I feel about the pancake at Chugs. It's, it's not <laughs> well just documented. the best pancake. 
I ever had. It's one of the tastiest pieces of food I've ever had. Well, that's just so much pressure. Yeah. Well, feel it to keep producing it the way you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm like extra It's crucial. the Chugs is the first and only place I ever took my two-year-old twins out by myself. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yep. I've taken the older kids out, uh, but as far as just the twins, Chugs is the only place I've ever taken them. Just me and them. four kids. I have four kids. It's not like yeah. an army. And yo-yos. And I have, I have four kids and a bunch of yo-yos. Can you you tell, can't talk about yo-yos. Can, are going to be my thing. Can you, can you tell <laughs> our audience about your love for yo-yos and how you walk around with yo Do you have yo-yos in your bag? Mm-hmm. He has yo-yos yeah, in his bag. Of course. Yeah. And he's going to pull his yo-yos oh, out. This is, a, this is a Pancom podcast first, everyone. I only have, I only have one on me. Normally, I'll have a couple. Are we getting tricks? The podcast? This is a that's a lot of pressure, but I could try. Oh, oh man! This this is, this is a Marco. This <laughs> is Marco. Uh, it's made by a company called Yo-Yo Factory, <laughs> <laughs> and I go a little beyond because you know how people like us are. And inside, I have a gold-plated bearing. Actually, that's amazing. So, oh, that's yeah. This one I really like. It'll spin forever if I was good enough. And it's it's a lot of fun. I, I've i been collecting and playing with yo-yos for a year. That's also, now you're blowing my cover on the thing. That's going to be one of my things. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been looking for a hobby ever since I got clean 12 years ago. Oh. And unable to find one until a year or so ago, I was walking through Disney Springs with my kid. And I saw some guy at the yo-yo kiosk. I was like... I can never do yo-yo. Let's see what this guy fucking does. And I was like, show me some tricks. You know, like some like fucking dad. I was like, what's a good yo-yo for my son here? He's like four. Let me get a yo-yo that comes back automatically or something. And they're like, yeah, sure, buddy, here. And I got the yo-yo and I just wasn't very good at it. And I was like, you know what? The internet is a thing now. I could learn how to be better at doing yo-yo. And I just have gone down that rabbit hole. I've collected a ton of them. I watch a lot of yo-yo stuff on on the internet, and I practice. And uh, no bullshit, I one day want to compete in the over forty division at a yo-yo tournament. It's really pretty amazing. <laughs> you heard it here first. First, Danny Surfer in a yo-yo. Yeah, there's a very famous yo-yo champion that's a resident of the Grove who supports your restaurant, who's a Miami City Commissioner. Oh, Ken Russell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Danny Surfer, what grinds your gears? <laughs> Personally or professionally, both. Well, that's, I mean, let's say, let's say professionally first. There's, there's a good amount to choose from, uh-huh. but like... Don't worry, not many people listen to this, so you'll be fine. I don't want to disappoint Salina, Kansas. Yeah, don't. <laughs> um, I want to be honest, so I'm trying to think of like the best example... I really dislike it when somebody doesn't wrap something up after it's cooled down properly and they're putting it in the walk-in. Like, I can get by on it not being labeled, although that's not cool either. No, no. But, like, you know, like say you made a bunch of ground beaver or you braise something and it's on sheet trays in the walk-in or on a speed rack cooling down and not taking that extra step to take it off of that and put it into a container and put a lid on that container. So how many people, give or take, have you reamed for doing that? It's it's a never-ending struggle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, because you can never get to the bottom of it because everyone is pointing at so many fingers at so many other people. 
Yeah, it's there's every chef has a thing that really grinds their gears. My thing is cutting tape. If you don't cut tape, I fucking lose it. Like, oh, I'm I, glad you said what that. that. What does that, that mean for the non kitchen people? So you know, we use for health purposes you have to label and date everything right so you could walk into a walk-in and everything's labeled and dated and it's all like torn tape and it just looks like a fucking train wreck anyways but if you cut the tape like not an animal and it all looks nice then you know it's just it's an extra step you take to really take care of your shit we cut the tape at vinaigrette a small sub shop or nothing is hot and we cut the tape and it's not like vinaigrette a bunch of people that work there it's not like a bunch of people that want to grow up and be chefs one day and i got them all to cut the tape and they believe in it and they are vigilant about it more vigilant than the other two restaurants you go to our region and they're like if somebody like one day i was posting a schedule and like i was in a hurry i was trying to get out there and like i was posting a schedule i just ripped the tape and they were like danny what are you doing i was like you're right it's amazing you're right i gotta cut that shit so i fucking printed a new schedule cut the tape and this was something though i didn't really i always heard about that i know about the story but i didn't really start believing it until relatively recently oh but it's a huge deal people ask when in the beginning when we were training people at vinaigrette why do you cut the tape i was like because if you're going to take the two extra seconds to cut the tape on a label mm-hmm. you're going to take the two extra seconds to make sure what you're putting out is correct 100 percent. yeah what grinds your gears Besides the tape. Oh, besides the give tape? Me a, give me a different example oh, of something. Um, I, another thing is, not if you have something that's appropriate, not putting a spoon in it before it hits the window and tasting it. Like, you know, the accoutrement, oh, you mean the tasting sauce. tasting your food? Yeah. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. You're not going to take a cut out of someone's steak or protein. Right. But, like, the bottom part, the, the saucy part, the Brussels sprouts, the whatever's going with there, not tasting that and making sure it's seasoned. I mean, but that's like a young cook thing is that they don't taste their food enough. You know, they're, they're, and then they're scared to season, you know, salt is like, they're, they're scared of it. So that's the thing. I don't know. I have a lot of things that grind my gears. It's hard for it. And it's hard for me to just call them out right now. It's usually in the moment that I think that really make me snap. Cleaning the piano when you're working saute is like a big thing for me. You should always have a rag to clean the piano. Uh, What's the piano? Oh, the, it's just the small like metal part between the six burners and the ends. It's called the piano. Uh, Wiping down the beach, also when you're working the fry station. So it's like when it, you know, that's like the small metal part that everything kind of collects on. You got to wipe that down. People are gonna love that shit. Yeah, sweeping the kitchen when you're when there's nothing to sweep. Like it just, you know, people could walk in there and like I don't know, it just drives me fucking crazy. Like have a little pride in your station. That's like a big thing for me. I remember when I worked for Norman, it was just, it was always just terrifying that he would just put a cutting board on your station and work next to you and it's like well if your station looks like shit one of the best chefs in the country is going to just put his cutting board next to you and work next to you and it's fucking like your station looks like shit so i always would tell people like imagine like norman's walking around he's going to work next to your station and the only reason i say that is because my chef's cuisine phil bryant used to tell me the same fucking thing so you know it's just like ingrained in my brain and a lot of people don't think that way and it's just a different i feel like it's a different world even from when i was a cook and that's not that long ago so but I, I'm very lucky with the team I have at all three places. They're very conscious of everything we all just talked about. They they clean up as they go. Uh, they're wiping their pianos, the, the beach, their cutting boards. Everything is very clean. Uh, and, 
you know, we have mats at the other two, so sometimes it's hard to clean the floors. Oh, yeah. You know, we'll pick them up in between service and give a good wipe down. But at Vinaigrette, we're constantly sweeping because we don't use mats. Yeah. So, so 2012, you said, was uh, blue? Blue? January, I think it was January 13th, 2012. So Friday the 13th. So you're almost going to be seven or eight? Seven? We are going to be eight, working on our ninth year. It's pretty amazing. I op- I think so. Because I opened blue because uh, nobody else would hire me. So I opened <laughs> it thinking, well, I'll open this. And if it fails, which I was planning on it failing, it'll give me some good experience and maybe my name will get back out there. And like people. It's very interesting. People Can you will explain think hire to me. me what you th- what you mean by I was planning on it failing? Well, I was just coming back from New York, and it's not like I worked anywhere very impressive there. So my resume was unimpressive. It's not like uh, a PR company could be like, oh, my God, Danny Surfer, who worked at this amazing place in New York, is opening up Blue Collar, and anybody would care. So I opened up Blue, and I didn't think anybody would notice, and... I thought I would be open for a few months and then I'd have to close it and then it would give me some good experience like managing and running a business that like other companies or restaurants would be like, hey, you did that. Now we could hire you. You know some stuff. And we just, we opened and we were fucking busy. It's amazing. That was amazing uh, how busy we were. Uh, you know, I worked very hard. I had a very good team. I would still have a very good team. Most of those people that were there that day are still there eight years later it's fucking incredible yeah um and i don't know i just it worked and it did well and well enough that uh me and ryan who's my other bay (laughs) you know my wife is ryan roman everyone ryan roman Ryan is my business partner and uh we opened up minionette together there's a small story there so he was the best man at my wedding Mm. and like i a little bit of me wanted to open up Minionette with him and put up like my life savings again to open up another risky restaurant because I really wanted him to give a really good best man speech at my wedding. So I was like, okay, let's do this. But you have to give a really good speech at my wedding. And he did. So there, Minionette, I was a little bit more confident with. I, I knew a little bit more what I was doing. But prior to those two restaurants... I'd never opened up a restaurant. I've only like gone into a restaurant that's already open. Oh, and that's opening is very different than going into oh. a place that's already open. So you fucking know, different. You're about to do what? Your fifth, sixth opening. Um, uh, under our brand, this is going to be our third, well, fourth restaurant opening. But in general, how many times have you opened? So many. Norman's, Tuyo, Cypress, um, the local. I mean, I don't know. This is probably my ninth opening. Yeah, opening is. It's way more challenging opening a place than it is to walk into a place as the I chef. I don't know. I, I've never actually done that. Walked into a place as a chef. So I, I could only imagine, like, to change culture is very difficult. Like, it's very difficult. You're setting the pace of culture, you know? When you open. When you open. Right. So you have everyone behind you and, like, on board from jump. But you have to get everything right and everything right quick. If you're anything, you know, like me, I hear you say, you know, you could look at fine duck duct tape or paint in certain places so like i'm holding this thing together with like band-aids and duct tape at any given time right but and it's so hard to do that and open and get everything right and all the finance and the business in order quick enough even if you're busy to make enough money to keep going and surviving right whereas you go into a place that already kind of knows what they're doing you don't have to worry about that as much. Mm-hmm. You know, they have like labor and food under control to an extent and things like that. Right. So, 
And I don't know. I kind of like the challenge. I like the challenge of going into a place and changing the culture to mine. Well, I think what really makes a restaurant great is the culture. I mean, if you really set a line in the sand and say, you know, this is who we are. These are the standards that we carry. And, you know, I mean, that culture is got, I mean, when the culture is good, you could feel it in the entire staff. You see it. You feel it. And, and that's something that I've learned, I think, the, uh, the hard way to not just be a chef, to, you know, becoming an operator, too, is setting the pace of culture for the entire restaurant, not just for the kitchen, which for me was a large challenge to, to learn, you know, and to move forward with. I, I feel like... Um, you know, and it's interesting, 2012, like what was happening in 2012 in Miami? I remember, where was I, 2012, seven years ago? Almost eight, pretty much eight. Eight years ago. Uh, Cyprus was not open yet. That was 2014. Um, Pub Belly guys, they were they were murdering it. Right. They were they were like the model of what blue collars like, they, like a small, successful indie operator. Right. Right. Uh, the Federal was just opening. They oh, opened, yeah. They opened right around the time as us. They had a great run. Yep. And I don't know. I think it was like the beginning of small independent people about to do what we do. Richard. Richard Hales. He had Sakai already for a yep. few years, and then he was about to do Black Brick. So, so, I mean, you would say that you're the beginning of the movement that we're living in. Uh, I don't know about the beginning. Like On the well, boulevard, Wessel was there with Red Light, which... Is the restaurant I miss the most out of any restaurant. I ever. love that location I love so that much, location. Man. and I love the food. I love, I love Red Light. I love Wessel. I think he is just amazing. And that Chris location, Wessel. Was, yeah. So everyone's aware. and that location was super cool. The location is still very cool. Yeah, yeah. I've, it's got a kitchen in it still. It's got a kitchen. It's got a really cool old lounge underneath. Yep. Yeah. I know. Oh, so I you went, look at the space too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just across from a strip club. Right adjacent across adjacent. across <laughs> across a little canal yeah. from the uh, gold. No, no, doesn't matter. We shouldn't know the name. No, no. Um, let's move on. Funny story about the gas station across from that nudie bar. One day, on my way home from Blue, I was stopping at the gas station to gas up my car, and I go inside to buy cigarettes. Because back then, I still smoked. And while I'm inside, some fucking guy took the gas thing out of my tank into his tank, no, filled up his car, and then. I, just put it back in mind, like nothing happened. And then when I left, I was like, what the fuck? How come I have no gas? I just filled up. And sure enough, somebody gas jacked me. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So it's Pretty creative, though. I, I got to give him credit. I've, I've been robbed a few times in my life when I got to give the person credit. That's one. Another one, I was like backpacking across Europe when I was like 16. I was sleeping on a park bench that had like slats. And some crook got up underneath me while I was sleeping, cut open like the smallest corner of my back pocket and took my wallet. And wow, I mean, that's a lot of effort. That was a lot of effort. He didn't wake me up. I had to kind of be like, you know what? I'll give you credit. Yeah, you get that. But I was so upset. Like, I blamed, like the, I guess, the bank that we were sleeping in front of, and I may or may not have urined on that bank's wow. door. No, there, like it was a morning. different time. Yeah. I mean, I was a 16-year-old fucking kid, so. So then you opened up Minionette in 2014? Yep, Minionette. But this is kind of what I mean. There's a lot of... Uh, smaller independent operators now. Yeah. Uh, a lot more from how many there were in 2012. I think we have been shown that it's possible, that there is room for the little guy. Yeah. That it's not just all about big money, restaurants, and well, Miami meat. is adopting the little guy. 
Yeah. I think Miami in a big way is the community is supporting each other. And uh, the Miami community of diners is supporting the little guy. So, and I think they want, they want that food. They want that, like, um, your soul on the plate. Right. Which is so, so That is Ariette. That's what impressed me and what I love about Ariette. It tastes, I don't want to go, I was going to say it tastes like Michael. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to edit that part out. (laughs) Weird. You can clearly see when you read the menu and you taste the food that this is your heart on the plate. But what's interesting about that is, and like I've said a million times, like I wasn't sure who that was. And it's, and it's interesting that like when, when we became friends is when that change really started to happen for me because that's when we we're doing super poorly. And I was like, fuck it. If I'm going to go out, I'm going to just do this the way that I want to do it. And, you know, if people like it, they like it. If they don't like it, then fuck them. I mean, because I, I, like, very similar to like what you said, if... If I don't make it here, at least I'll show that I can I can cook. I'm ambitious. Yeah. I can and, run a team. And you know that that menu, I remember you had the the torn pasta, remember the torn pasta with the sausage, pecorino, charred tomatoes. You loved that pasta. I forgot what it's called now. Um, and that was like that was like one of those first dishes that I was like, fuck it, like I'm not, I'm not great with this, but I I love this dish. I'm going to, with whey, we were making our own ricotta and then we're using the whey for the pickup. And it just kind of represented a lot of like who I was. And you loved it. You came, I think like three times. Yeah, we came a bunch. Um, What I really, I mean, I love the food, but what I really love about Ariette too now uh, is your air conditioning game is on point, yo. You have great AC. And it's one of the things I really care about. Well, because Miami cares. Yeah, AC is so important. Outside, I'm man. not like one to, I, I don't ever want to sit outside unless it's one of those three days out of the air where it's like gorgeous nice, out and yeah. I wear a sweater. Uh, but but you, know how many, you know how many changes we went through? We had five tons of AC. Yeah, then I, we had, I then could we had, see it. Then we had eight. Then we had 12. Yeah. Then we got 15 tons of AC in that little ass room. I go through it at blue. At blue, it's still not enough. And I have nine tons and yeah. 900 square feet. And that's small. Yeah, it's like half the size of yeah. this. But, it's but just, for me, it's, it's, you know what's interesting about that is that those are things I remember. I was I never read reviews, ever. But there was this one time that they left the screen open, like downstairs in the office, and it was like a one star review. And I was like, I gotta read what this says. And it was like the food was great, the service was great, but you know I feel like the AC was on a fritz, and I wish that they would just close. <laughs> and I was like, this motherfucker. You think we should just fucking close? So you're telling me that we should just like, you know what, everyone, I know everyone's depending on, you know, their money for the day. And you know what? I think the restaurant needs this Thursday sales. But you know what? We're going to close because this guy's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> you think we don't know that the AC's fucked and we got to fix it? Like, it's just all We're those things. We're in the things. kitchen. We know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's the layers that some people don't understand that it takes to run a restaurant. Well, right? But, but it, and not to butt in here. Butt in. Nick, butt, butt in. in. But it's also, really we should close cigar. even though oh, there yeah. may be other people who want to put up with it for the food. Yes. I, even though I mentioned that how much AC means to me, I don't give a fuck. Good food will trump AC anytime, and I will sweat my ass off to eat something delicious. So there's plenty of places I go that are good and don't, don't have a good air conditioning situation. But I just feel like the, the operator, like a good operator knows like we know, like I understand. Yeah. I'm sorry. What do you? I like. Well, what we do, we actually have a policy in place when that happens. I like that because air conditioning in Florida is always going to break. We have a policy in place. I, I guess I shouldn't say this, but so if you're in the restaurant and the air is broken, first we're honest with you at the door. We'll say, "Look, we're having some air problems. 
just so you know, oh, it's cool. not as cool as it should be. We're getting, we're working on a technician getting out here and getting it fixed. And two, if you know it happens midway through someone's day or they're uncomfortable, we'll offer them a free NA beverage, as much NA beverage as they would like, because we know we screwed up. It's our bad. Have something cold to drink on us. In eight years from when you opened up Blue Collar to now, do you feel like you've seen a lot of change in the Miami dining scene? Well, we already said there's a lot more small indie guys like us that have come up and are, and are being successful and doing good stuff. And I think we've seen the guys that we came up under continue to have growth and success. You know, Michael, Norman, even like the Pub Belly guys, they're growing really well. And that's nice to see. And I think we're finding... <laughs> The, the sweet spot of the import of what's going to work here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, you know, I like I love the I love the Jose Andres restaurants here. They're uh, a bazaar. I really like. I loved Bazaar Mar. I was really sad to see that. Close. I, I loved it too. I love this. I I love the Surf Club. You I know? love. So the surf I club. think we're figuring out better. At, whereas you know, mid two thousands, a bunch of New York imports came by and they they came and they went. But now I think they're figuring out that they have to be here. They have to be vested. They have to show Miami some love and do the right thing. And that's exciting. Yeah. It's like, you know, I love independent restaurants, but I got nothing wrong with a big money restaurant either. Like a big money restaurant wants to come in and do a good job. You know, like look at the surf club. It's a gorgeous restaurant that probably spent a lot of money building. Yeah. And it's an amazing experience. But it's also, I mean, it's also a Thomas Keller restaurant, a Jose Andres restaurant. It's not like – I'm not going to name any names, but just like uh, – you know, like a TV chef coming and just like opening up a place, putting their face on the front door and then walking away. It's not those guys either. I mean, Jose Andres has got a team that right. works like that's incredible. That's some of the best chefs in the world, you know. Right, like, but this is true. So yeah. bring us your super talented people. Yeah. Bring us your big dollars and your big build outs and make it good. And I will enjoy it and I will say nice things about it. I, I, lo- I love the surf club. Love I, the I surf love club. the surf club. I think Manny does an incredible job. He I, is Fucking amazing. We're actually doing a dinner together November 13th. Oh, cool. Um, I may come to that. It's right around my birthday. Yeah, it's called the it's called the guest list. and it's Me and you were going to do a dinner once, remember? We are still going <laughs> to do a dinner. Two Danny. years ago, we talked about doing a dinner together. Then last year, we Things talked about change, doing a dinner together. Okay? Thing, it was then a this tough year, we talked time. about doing a dinner together. We're still going to do the dinner together, man. I mean, you got like, you know, a team of children. It's hard <laughs> to get us in the same place. We're going to do that dinner together. I'm going to bring all my kids here and just drop them off. <laughs> It's going to be great. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm still – I feel very indifferent about the whole, like, uh, out-of-towners out of towners opening here. I, I'll still choose to spend my money at a local place, but I, like, I love the surf club. I think that they, they gave Miami its credit, and they, they put their best foot forward. I'm all for any big-name person doing that. Uh, if the major food group people are listening – I would really much appreciate a Carbone and a Parm being here, and even a Sedels. I would be, I'd be into that. I don't know if they're listening. Just in case, you never know. You know, <laughs> they maybe they have like an aunt or uncle in Salina, Kansas. That's like, yo, you gotta check out Bunko Podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> a traditional Bunko Podcast <laughs> reference. So, what do you think now? Uh, Vinaigrette's been open for what two months? When we a month, June, like half? almost four months. I really, think. June to July, August, September. Yeah, four months. 
So after four months, how do you feel? Um, if you, if if you would have ever told me when I was like a twenty-three-year-old cook, one day you're going to be so happy working the cash register at a fucking sub shop that only serves cold subs, the majority of which you just source product. Uh, like your time machine sucks, bro. Yeah. Like, there's no fucking way. By that time, I'm gonna have like 800 James Beard awards. I'm gonna have a huge restaurant on the water called Surfs that has full liquor license. Ooh, I like that name. That's good. <laughs> I know where it's supposed to be too. <laughs> it's supposed to be in the waterways and where I was uh, a busboy at the first place I ever worked at called the Crab House. Let's make this happen. Uh, it, I wish. Coming next summer, <laughs> Surfs by Danny Surfer. Um, I fucking love it it's reminding me of why i love this business getting to work with the guest at the register and taking their order and greeting them and hearing them modify the shit out of everything really love it and i wouldn't have thought i did and getting a team to get behind something simple like making cold subs uh it's it's awesome i i it brings me so much joy to be there working and like I'm sitting there working the register I'm not working a station where I'm actually like making the subs you know I'm keeping an eye on everything but like I'm just sitting there working the cash register engaging the guests as they come in and they're doing the thing I used to hate as a young cook they're modifying and giving me all these different options on and changing things Mm -hmm. and I'm like cool bring it well I mean you're an owner now I mean uh, the mindset changes we've talked about that several times one of the things the funny thing that we want to talk about that so when you're a young cook, somebody sends a steak back. The whole fucking kitchen gets around that steak and inspects it and you taste it. And you're like, what are they talking about? This is a perfect medium rare. This thing is probably 134 degrees. This guess, blah, blah, blah. And then as you become, and even as the executive chef, when I was executive chef, I would lean towards that a little bit. But as an owner, fucking overcooked steak, undercooked steak, whatever comes back, I don't give a fuck. Just fix Make it. Make it right. Send yeah. it back out. Give them a new steak. Give them a new whatever. Send something out in between while, they're, while we fucked up. If they feel like we fucked up. It doesn't matter if we did or we didn't. We're in the middle of service. Just get them a new whatever. Make them feel good. Because when you're a cook, you don't think about the long-term ramifications of bitching. That's the biggest thing. For me, it's like I want them to come back. Right. I don't care if we have – yeah, I'm I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it for the guests to come in, you know, once a month, once a week, whatever it is. But, you know, I mean, when you work the line, you're just thinking about service. And you're thinking about that dish that you put up. And and sometimes as an owner, I wish I was back on a line. I wish I was back on a grill every day. Uh, ticket comes in, food goes out. Yeah. I had, uh, I had a one streak of like about a thousand plus pieces of temperature meat go out when I was working at Chef Allen's on the grill and not one came back. Yeah. It's a pretty long streak. It's pretty impressive. It's a pretty big, impressive streak. Yeah. So now that vinaigrette's been over for four months, what's next for Danny Surfer? Uh, keep working at vinaigrette, get it going well enough that I can... Uh, keep working at the other restaurants more mm-hmm. and check in with them a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, that's it. We have no great big expansion plan or anything like that. I just want to keep vinaigrette going consistent and well and just work in that angle. Make it, like, as many people in downtown Miami know about us. What I love about vinaigrette is that it's the, it's a restaurant that Miami needed. Does that make sense? Like Miami needed someone to care about a cold cut sandwich. I, uh, I'm going to agree and say I opened it a lot of out of selfish reasons. Sure. Because when I wanted a cold sub or 
hoagie, as they would say yeah. in up north. My family is from Philadelphia. I would have to drive to like Broward or Boca, and I was sick of making that drive. So this is a little bit closer than. Oh, but Boca. you chose a perfect location for that too. Yes. Well, there is the business side, as you've mentioned, with other chefs and owners, and where we are, we're perfectly located to be able to do a lot of the catering for large law firms and other financial firms, accounting firms, a lot of corporate catering. And that's actually a lot of fun and engaging as well, where we can talk to whoever's in charge of that or even the people there, and I, I do like doing that very much. But what about you? What's next with well, I mean, what, Na- when... Na- uh, Nave opens sometime in the near future. Oh. <laughs> At one point I heard, like... A month specified, and now no, no, no. okay, you know now it's it the near future. You know how opening up restaurants goes. Yeah, it's we, probably the most. The we have an amazing team in place. Uh, we have great staff that we're super fortunate to have found some very passionate people about food and beverage, um, and I think that we're fortunate to have that company wide. Uh, and right now we're just waiting on a couple things so we can open. I'm and excited that, for Nave. Yeah, me too. I, I, I'm excited to be able to cook with uh, Justin, which is one of the more talented people I've ever met, and to cook with Nunzio, equally one of the most talented people I've ever met, and just kind of like throw down. Like I'm ready to open because I'm so tired of trying to get it open. Right. Like I feel like I spend the majority of my days – working on things to get it open like the ac is not working properly we need to fix that before this happens and blah blah and all the while i see everyone having a great time cooking things and i just want to cook you know like i um expansion is great and and it's great for to build a company i'm very passionate about but at the heart of everything that i love to do is i just love to cook and for me um when we first met you know the first 10 times you ate at Ariette, I worked saute every time that you were right. here. And this last time you ate here was the first time that I wasn't working saute when you ate here. And I was extremely stressed. So stressed. Because it was the first time. So it's like, uh, that for me, it's a, like a large mental struggle. Because I, that, like, that's all I really know and, I, and what makes me very happy. So from a perspective as growth, and stuff when you make these decisions these are things that you need to be comfortable with and still working through them personally the more you open and expand the less you may be working that saute station the less i do work yeah and it's uh let me ask you a question shoot i how often does it happen where you come up with a dish in your head and then the first time you put on the plate nail it the way it looks the way it tastes the everything about it never 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 once or twice, every now and then, once or twice. I, I mean, it's never happened for me. Um, you know, like right now we're working on a monkfish dish. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, monkfish is tough. Uh, you want to try it tonight? It's good. Sure. I have. But monkfish is, it's, monkfish is what I made, what I was thinking of. We had a monkfish when we first opened Mignonette. Uh-huh. And in my head, it was so amazing. And it What was, was it? It was just a, you know, like a pan roasted piece of monkfish. Mm-hmm. With some broccolini, some smoked trout roll, Ooh. and lobster consomme as the sauce. 
Ooh, and I it, like that. It sounded good, and it looked good, and it just... Consomme? Lobster consomme? Lobster, I, make a, I, I love making consomme. I like... Lo- I, I love consomme. I love... Let's tell the people what consomme is. Go I've been having it. a lot of conversations about consomme. Really? Because we're going we're gonna to have one available on the menu. Oh. In fall. Oh, oh, yes. As I part of our that. new experience that I'm not going to talk about yet. Okay. Um, I think I know what it is. It'll be available in November. But consomme is um, mm. the process of making a stock or a broth, and then you clarify it. And the clarification process is through... A ground protein, which traditionally, well, let me get there. Okay. Uh, ground protein, so you could use ground beef mixed with egg whites and uh, mirepoix, that which you start the pot cold with the stock in it, and then you start stirring slowly, and you bring up the temperature of the broth very slowly, and then you ha- cannot stop whisking. But I use a, a wooden spoon; I don't ever use a whisk. Oh, really? I'm yeah. the opposite. Yeah, no. And I'm opposite all the way. I Why? stir the fuck out of it with oh, a whisk. No. But I, the way I think about it is that you want the, the raft to form. So then that way, if you have a whisk, it will break the raft up. If you're using a wooden spoon, it no, will. No, you got to move around enough shit. But you're going to move it around. No, you got to move around enough of the impurities so they attach to the raft once it starts setting. Yeah, but once the raft is formed at the top. The impurities are going to raise to the raft. Well, if we ever cook together, we can do oh, a side by side, side by side, and I can like show you. Like we did you. the side by side for the for the fish sticks. Oh, the fish sticks, which are still on my menu now, <laughs> because I I did that event with you, and I liked your your fried fish so much. I put on a fried fish at the menu. I had, I mean, I had that last time I was there. We're changing it next month. It's going to be cod instead of corvina. Ooh, I think people enjoy that more. Yeah, I love making consomme. I do most of what you said, except. When it comes to making consomme, I think you, I, I kind of throw cost out the window. So I will, for the lobster consomme, what I did was I made a really powerful lobster stock out of whole lobsters and just discarded shells. And then I ground up egg whole, whites. Whole lobsters, including me? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that is a strong move. Sir. Yeah. And then I ground up a shit ton of whole shrimp with my egg whites, oh. with my mirepoix. And let it's it set like that. the most expensive consomme on the planet. It was fucking tasted like you had a mouthful of lobster and was crystal clear. Ooh, I want this. It was, it was very We could do that for our dinner that we're going to do this year coming up. I, I'm, what do we, we went through so many iterations. The one I'm most excited about was mimicking the red lobster all-you-can-eat shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> so we would have like five courses of all-you-can-eat different yeah. shrimp dishes. So one of them, I'll tell you, I was really excited about. So I wanted to make... An amazing, like, lobster pasta or shrimp pasta with, like, shrimp and a little stock and all that. But instead of cooking the pasta in water and using that water for the sauce, I was going to cook the pasta in shrimp and lobster stock. Yeah, I remember this. Because I thought that would be something. And, like, when I'm doing an event like this, I'm like, cost? Fuck cost. (laughs) Well, our monkfish dish is cooked in the style of oxtail. So, uh, we... Have acquired monkfish osobuco cuts, um, and we treat it just like oxtail. So I braise it in a bean kit, which is an old Norman move. It's just like basically a almost like a Spanish style mirepoix. Okay, cut very finely. Um, it's braised in that uh, brandy, lots of red wine reduced by half, then lobster stock, beef stock, braised for forty five minutes. And then it's served with uh, a stuffed tomato that's stuffed with white rice. That's so, so it's, delightful. Yeah. We're I would crush tr- that. You're going to try it later. But I, it, it's supposed to mimic like Cuban-style braised oxtail. 
I know a little bit of something about oxtail. It's, yes, you do. It's the best-selling item on the menu at Blue Collar. We move through hundreds of pounds of it a week. I, I once got um, chastised for an oxtail dish that we had on the menu at Ariette for a, It was on the dish on the menu for probably four or five months. But it was oxtail cooked in the style of, like, pho. Okay. So we grilled the oxtail, and then uh, I braised it, but, like, pop braised it. Right. And then I took that broth, and then I clarified it. It was a consomme. But it was like with um, like charred oxtail with raw vegetables, bean sprouts. I don't remember what else. But I, I loved the dish, and uh, a lot of people didn't like it. They just they, they didn't. So what I was trying to get to, they didn't because they wanted the they wanted rabo. They wanted rabo. They wanted yeah. rabo, I which think. I which I get and I understand. But at the same time, you know, uh, I don't think we talked about it well enough for people to understand what the mission of the dish was, which was to. Light to do a lighter version of braised oxtail, and they don't want any part of it. I don't want any part of that. It was delicious. I'm sure it was delicious, but when <laughs> I'm getting raba, when I'm getting oxtail, I'm not looking to be light. I'm I'm looking to indulge. I'm looking to pick up the oxtail bone and put it in my mouth and suck out all that marrowy yeah. goodness. I'm not looking to like be light and dainty. In well, I, I'm in, I'm intrigued for what you think about this dish because I and it sounds amazing. I thought about it for a long time, and it's and it sounds like right. In the Ariad wheelhouse. Yes, which was the idea is to do something that is very Cuban in a new style uh, and see what people think about it. You know, we have two fish dishes on the menu now, which is one which plays I, it more safe. I think I had it a the couple al- weeks ago. The almondine? No. No, you had the grilled swordfish. Yes, with the swordfish. Uh, with the coconut broth and yeah. the mussels and thing, which is a lighter, more summery, and we're going to more fall, winter. Which My this, wife and I liked it very much. Good. Um, but now it's time for change. It's the it's going to be less hot season, so it's time less for hot season. That's <laughs> good it's time it. for rich, meaty, yeah. indulgent stuff. So, uh, where do we go next? I, I don't know. Let's talk about something exciting. I feel I don't want to bore the people in Salina, Kansas. So I I feel. What do you want to talk about that's exciting? Uh, What's exciting to you? I mean, yo-yos. No, we already touched on the yo-yo. I'm pushing for a yo-yo video. No, we're going to do a yo-yo video for the fans. Um, What is exciting? I don't know. It's a hard time. You know what's interesting is that when when you and I talk exciting, it's because we're talking about business. When we sit down and we have lunch. No, business is depressing. It's not depressing because we're thinking about how to improve our business. Always, but that never stops. So exciting is like, for me, exciting is like, Waiting for Avengers Endgame was exciting. <laughs> not <laughs> exciting for me, but that's that, fine. That's exciting for me. Like waiting for, oh, I'm excited for the new Terminator movie. <laughs> that <laughs> I is, don't know anything about this. Yeah, there's a new Terminator movie. It's James Cameron again and uh, the original Terminator girl, Linda Hamilton, I think is her name. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that's exciting. Or like big, big movies with stuff that goes boom is exciting to me because it takes my mind off of business it takes my mind off my four kids it takes my mind off everything it's almost like cooking on the interesting i was uh when uh this was probably six months ago we were sitting at mignonette and we were talking and you asked me how i was doing and i was like i'm overtly stressed and his initial response to me was like you need to find a hobby oh yeah i did say that and i was like i and still i'm still trying to find a hobby this is oh get a (laughs) yo-yo i'm not getting a fucking yo-yo man not getting oh, a yo-yo. Good. What's, but the, it, what's the street address here? 
No, I'm not telling you that. So, so people can Get ship you yo-yos. No, All the fuck. fans ship you ship them yo-yos. Is it 3450 Main Highway? 3540. Yep, 3540. Yep. Send your yo-yos close. to 3450 Main. No, no, send them to my house. Send, send them to the blue them collar. <laughs> I send don't them to want any fucking yo-yos. Did you find a hobby? I have not found a hobby yet. It took me 12 years, 11 years to find a hobby. Yeah. Have but you it, been looking or trying? But, you no. know, and we were talking about... You haven't been trying. No, I haven't. You have not been trying. No, I haven't. But we were talking about, like, <laughs> it's interesting, our conversations, because I was like, you know, now that I don't drink or I don't smoke two packs of cigarettes a day, it's like, what do I do to have fun? It's like I did that my entire career. When I got out, of, I found service very fun. I would work service, and then we would go out, we'd fucking drink, and we'd smoke, and we'd have a great time, and it was fun. I'm sorry, it's true, it's fun, and it's not oh, good for you. It's fun. You're not. I'm fun. not. I'm not the type of person in recovery that doesn't realize how much fun I had using. I but had it, a lot of fun. You know, and it's now it's like finding what's fun. I go to a lot of arcades. Like I was just said, I want to go to Arcade Odyssey. I never go, but I, I live right across go. the street. Yeah? yeah, I love. I have an old, I have an arcade machine in my house. I fucking Do you? love. Yeah, I love old arcades. There's what great old arcade in Michigan I go to when I go to Ann Arbor, uh, called Pinball Pete's, and it's fucking what a like, great name. It's Pinball like Pete's. Two floors of like Galaga, Pac Man, Tron, Moon Patrol, classic. Pinball, like everything that I imagine Arcade Odyssey has. I want to go there bad, but it's far for me. Well, my kids aren't like old enough yet to understand to play a game or like old enough for me to just let them run around the arcade while I actually pipe, you know, camp out on a game and them out of my sight. I have a good question with depth. Yeah. Now that Minion, uh, or I'm sorry, Blue Collar is going to be eight. If you were to tell yourself something, a piece of advice now. That you know now, that you wish you knew then, what would it be? Sliver of advice. Because, man, if I, could I, tell, I, I have a fucking, I have a laundry list of shit I would have fucking told myself. If I could tell 31-year-old yeah. me, like 31, if I could tell 30, 31-year-old me a piece of advice about blue collar or just life in general? Both. I, I would say to me... Chill the fuck out, bro. Stop yelling at everyone. You're not going to get their best work out of them like that. Because even though Alan never yelled at me and I came up in such a great supportive place, for some reason, the moment I became an executive chef or an owner, I was that fucking yelling monster, like throwing shit at people. Like I remember this one service at Blue. There was this kid working next to me and he was like relatively green and he did like something that I didn't agree with after I had showed him several times on how to do it and I just lost it and I like squirted a whole bottle of Caesar dressing on him. This is a dining room full of people. Everyone's seeing what a monster I am. Uh, I would tell myself to chill out. In fact, the reason what got me to chill, it wasn't like having kids, which people say. I had this manager and he's like, I have to talk to you outside and he was the manager of the restaurant and he started the crying. Like, I can't work like this. I'm going to quit. I'm leaving like this is terrible. Like I was such a monster that I made a grown man cry in front of me in the middle of service. And it was at that moment, like I instantly changed and stopped doing it. Why do you think, uh, you were that monster? Cause I was, I was like, this is fucking blue collar. This is me on a goddamn plate and you're fucking it up. Yeah. And people don't know who you are, but they're going to say, Blue collar sucks and Danny sucks because you fucked that up. They don't know that I didn't cook that one that you cooked it, but it's still my fault because I'm supposed to supervise you and make sure that you don't fuck it up. I, I, <laughs> a large part of me understands that. 
and I and I struggle with that still. It's we've talked about it on past episodes, like you know, be a shepherd and not a Viking. And I I tell myself that I told myself that earlier today. I mean, it's just it's hard because I don't know. Like I I have a vision, and a lot of people here are with me on that vision, and we all we collectively have come up with like a vision. And some people don't put the same emphasis on how special or important this is to you. And I understand, I understand both sides. You don't want to lose your temper. And I understand the other side is like, do you not understand why this is so important to me? Like, well, who cares? Well, why should they care if it's important to you? Because, well, then why, why should they care about why, stroking your ego? It's not about ego. It's, it's a, not about it, the place. It's not about you, but it's, it's about Ariette. It's, it's about the ideology of food, right? You know, like every food, there's different la- layers of ideology of food. And for me, like Ariette represents a whole bunch of things. You know, it represents Miami. It represents me, my family, my culture, the group of people that we came up together. We're all still here. Like we've been right. working together for 10 years. You know, I, I had a conversation with Matt today, just my chef cuisine. Right. And, you know, we were talking about like some of the changes we're going to make for winter and some of the things that we're going to continue to elevate at Ariette and uh, as we move forward. Because we don't want to become stagnant and we want to continue to push the envelope. And he's excited. And for me to know that he's excited and we've worked together for so long, it shows that we're on the right track. And I want, and it's not going to happen, but I want everyone else to be as excited as we are. So I understand why to lose your temper, but I also understand why not to. And it's hard. It's like, it's a mental thing. Like you got to, because I tell myself, I literally tell my, just relax. Take a deep breath. It's hard. Relax. Don't fucking lose your shit right now. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's hard. Because for me, when I go when I like when I go to Minionette or I go to I, and we're close, so I I and you're not there, I'll instantly be like, well, that, that needs to be fixed. Like something in the dinner, like you need to put that there. I was in Cleveland and I was at uh, Good Company, which is my friend Brett's place. Right. He wasn't there. He was at the plum and I was having dinner and somebody dropped some water on the floor and it stayed, the water stayed on the floor for like 10 minutes. So after me staring at this water for 10 minutes, I got up, I asked for a rag and I cleaned the water off the floor because it's my friend's place and I care about it as much as he does and I want him to be successful. So I don't want somebody to walk, slip and then fucking fall and then sue my friend. You know what I mean? It's just like things like that. I want people to understand because a lot of people will just be like, it's just a restaurant. It's not just a restaurant. It's never, it's, it's never just a restaurant. It's not just food. It's not you know, just a restaurant. It's not just. It's not just this. It's not just that. It's like it, the way I equate it to people all the time is like, especially front of the house employees, because for them it's a job. It's not a career in a lot of aspects. lots of times. Yeah. And I ask them, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? Some people say, I want to own a restaurant. That's cool. Congratulations. The other ones would be like, Well, I want to be a lawyer. I'm like, okay. So when you're a lawyer, right, and you have a meeting with a client. Are you going to show up late? No, of course not. So why then why would you show up late to your shift? Right? I mean, what it, it's integrity. It doesn't matter in what form that comes in. Like your job as a server or a busser is the same. You should carry the same integrity as if you're going to be a lawyer and you're going to meet with a client. I, to me, that that's where the that's where the disconnect often happens with an employee. And I'm not saying that that's that happens often because. We, I also had this conversation with some of my management. We are very fortunate right now that I feel like we have 
incredibly passionate people at every level here that want to grow. Right. Whether it's within the company or they just want to grow in the industry. So, I don't know. It's like a struggle. You know, like, I want to – I think I lose my temper more often now with people that are outside of the company. So, like, purveyors or – because they, they, they really don't give oh, a I'll fuck. Oh, I will fucking – They really don't give a fuck. I will – I haven't lost my temper at anyone in the restaurant in years. I have lost my shit with purveyors. And, like uh, – <laughs> Like, I, I, I still will. I'll send, I shouldn't do it. Like, the text, like, I was that monster back when I first opened Blue. And it's, I try and catch myself, and lots of times I'll apologize. But it's me just acting like an entitled, like, shit. But I just sometimes can't help myself. But it's not, it. In, but it, listen. No, a lot of it's entitled. It's like, look, everyone is making, can make a mistake. You sure. Know, a vendor can make a mistake, and they might not be able to make it happen for you. So, like... They forget to put this in the truck. You guys don't re- – the, the delivery comes late. The, the truck gets back late. They won't be able to do it on a second run. My issues with them are more, are a little deeper. And, and this uh, – whoever is in sales should listen to this. This is my favorite. I'm going to fire you as a purveyor. No, no, no. Don't fire me. I'll lower all of your prices. So why are you going to wait for me to tell you that this is wrong in order for you to lower my prices? Oh, oh. Why wouldn't you be more honest about that at the beginning – Instead of waiting for me to tell you to go fuck yourself in order for you to come back and say, hey, let me work with you here. Why did you work with me at the beginning? Oh, tell me who. No, no, no. I mean, that's, all, all right, that's a blanket statement. Okay. It's a blanket statement. I feel like it's like that with everybody. You know, you'll get a couple of good people here or there. You know, I feel like I have a lot of good relationships with a lot of people, but it's usually the larger, the larger companies, you know, the Cisco's of the world. And there's a lot of people that are lumped into that right. category. The broadliners. Yeah. That they Even just, the specialty broadliners. Yeah. They just don't – they don't give a fuck because they just – they <laughs> they honestly, at the end of the day, they don't care. You're just a number to them and you're just commission to them. Well, the, uh, the, when it comes to purveyors, it just uh, it's all about the rep you have. So I've had the same reps for a long time uh, and it's more like the new companies that I'll lose my shit on or like yeah. this one other company uh, – that I've been doing business with for a long time. But ultimately, you know, things will get made right. But I agree. I don't know why they would wait until you're about to stop using them to start lowering the prices. Or then they lower the prices, you take them back, and then two weeks later, and then they whoop, raise the they price again. The, oh, man, back that's up. my favorite move. Yeah, yeah. It's my favorite because they think you're a fucking idiot. They don't, it's like they don't know that I spend two hours every Monday scrubbing every invoice looking for any increases or any accidents or shit that might have fallen through the cracks any credits we were supposed to take that we didn't like like that's not how I spend my Mondays it's you know it's interesting that you say that because I tell a lot of people who want to get into this game a lot like it's more than just cooking cooking becomes I if I may sure um Cooking, much like being clean, like being clean after you get your year, the smaller, it's not using anymore, not drinking, not drugging. That's the small part about it, about staying clean. The smallest part about staying clean once you have clean time is the not using. It's about having a good life and being a good person and doing whatever you want to do. Once you're an owner and you've been open for a while, cooking is the smallest part. Not the smallest, but one of the smaller parts. I think it's a good. uh, It's about the whole thing. Yeah. You know, it's a good for me. It's a good exit. The, yeah, good like, exit. Yeah, like I love working brunch because no one's fucking with me for three and a half hours, and I'm just slaying eggs. Yeah, uh, 
I, uh, I, 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 <laughs> brunched. Nobody wants to work brunch with me. <laughs> <laughs> you put me back on the brunch line, and I will be that monster. Oh, I love brunch. Once at Blue Collar, I was working brunch because somebody called out or whatever, and like it was like 2.30, and we already hit a number I was happy with. I was like, close the fucking doors. We're done. I'm done. <laughs> close the doors. I hit the number I needed to hit today. I'm cool. I'm done fucking working this brunch. I'm not cooking another goddamn egg today. Wow. Yeah. I am the opposite. I'm like, bring all the people. I want to no. cook all the eggs. No. No. I'm a little. I'm. I'm definitely hardcore during brunch, but I'm like, bring them all. No, it's like a fucking battle. Brunch it's is like brunch is like the it's like Daytona the thir- five hundred. I feel. I feel like uh, I'm in the movie three hundred. Yeah, that's what brunch <laughs> is like. Brunch. brunch more than any other. You're service. just like it's like three guys versus like four hundred people. I so what's, the, there- what's the line? But tonight we dine in hell. Yeah, tonight <laughs> we dine. I will in work hell. a one thousand person cover uh, service for dinner and not 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 make a peep, not complain. I will fucking work a like fifty person brunch service, and I will be a whiny little baby for yeah. most of it. No, I lo- I love it. I you know I'm again I'm fortunate because we've made some incredible hires that they have made. And your Saturday brunch has grown. Oh, I remember man. hearing about that on the other podcast. And that Saturday was all. Brunch. That was all because all of right. you. Saturday brunch is the everybody wants brunch both days. Well, it, it's funny because I remember we were sitting at Minionette. It takes longer to grow Saturday than Sunday. And I was like, you know, I'm considering getting rid of Saturday brunch and. You asked me, like, how long you've been open? And I was like, I don't know, six months or something. And you asked me how much we were doing. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, and it's just, like, not a lot. And you're like, yeah, no, but that's pretty normal. Wait a year. And, man, we waited a year. And I, I waited a year. And I did just from one day to the next, we started doing, like, 70 covers and 80 covers. And then we started doing, like, we had one brunch that we did 140 on a Saturday. Yeah. And it was like, fuck, Danny was right. <laughs> like, uh, and that's that's really – Honestly, you're the reason why we're still open on Saturdays. Coconut Grove, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, it just, it goes to show, too, that you have to ask for advice. Like, you, you cannot think that you know it all. Like, if there's one thing I tell people all the time, like, ask people for advice. Ask people for advice. Ask them all the questions. I still ask people tons of fucking questions now. Like, what do you think about this? I'm thinking about this. What do you think about that? What do you think about this? And, yeah, a lot of times I make some brash decisions that, not everyone agrees with, but at the same time, you got to make those decisions to make it your own. But advice in general with someone, people that have been doing it longer, ask them for advice and grow with that. You know, even just advice in general. It's one of the beauties of having Ryan Bay as my best friend and my partner. He doesn't come from kitchens. He is an attorney, so I can get a whole different perspective on things. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's from a diner's perspective. It's from a owner's perspective it's from someone who is not in the restaurant day to day yeah and it's valuable well they they um i did that panel i don't know if you saw that re- open hot opening restaurants oh, thing a, um, breadcrumb or something yeah it was to uh uh touch bistro touch they don't they don't sponsor us so i'm not gonna give them any love but um <laughs> they uh they asked me i guess i was the guy they wanted to ask about how to work with investors and uh, anyone who knows me has, knows that I've had Rocky Pass, but I got very fortunate in that too, that I have an incredible partner that knows the side of the side of business that I don't know. So it's being able to have conversations about how to improve the business on a business side and how to ask for advice and how to structure the business to make sure that the business is profitable. And that to me has been... I mean, priceless. You they know, want, if it, uh, if, smart money. 
Yeah. The what? Smart money. It's not somebody who's just throwing you. Oh yeah. Somebody that, that comes with. Well, it's it's not it's not just that. It's about uh, an investor that does their part. You know, like someone that's willing to to be an operator too. You know, I I'm open I'm open in saying that I'm I'm not an accountant and I'm not a real estate person and I'm none of those things. But you know, I could sit at a table with people now that know how to do this better than I do, right. and that's why. I feel fortunate enough to be able to do the things that I'm good at and rely on other people to help structure and function and, you know, put the business in good standing that we can move forward with other projects. So, yeah, advice, conversation, structure, all that stuff is and it's good off off the cuff is how I worked forever. And it's stressful, but it's good, too. But, you know, well, anyways, Danny Surfer, thank you for having me. I, well, this was a great wow. cigar, by the way. Whoa! Oh, Nick, oh. tell the tell the people what we're smoking. We're smoking. They're not paying for this, by the way. Laranja, yeah, which is made by Espinosa Cigars at yep. their La Zona factory in Esteli, Nicaragua. Those are my homies. It's in Nicaragua, yeah, yeah, it's excellent. Um, yeah, they're my homies. I grew up with those guys. They're great people. That's uh, Eric Espinosa and Eric Espinosa Jr. I smoked a lot of cigars and played a lot of dominoes with those two guys. Yeah, and they're. Loud. <laughs> Especially Shorty. Yes, he is. Oh, sorry to interrupt. There's one thing I meant to say that oh. I really wanted to say. You went to Columbus, right? God, here we go with the debate <laughs> team thing. Fuck In high man. school debate, I was big into high school competitive debate. And so well, Columbus thought they were. Not once. <laughs> Where would you go to high school? North Miami Beach Senior High. Okay. Did you go to Columbus too? No, I went to Berlin. Okay, them too. Men for uh, this, this counts for Berlin also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never lost a debate round to Columbus or Berlin. I beat them every single time. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. I guess we're going to shut down the podcast now. (laughs) Yeah, we're done here. Next week it's going to be Punkum Podcast with Danny Surfer. I was just looking up like current high school debate teams and stuff. And (laughs) NMB. What is happening? NMB is where I went. They're nowhere nearly being ranked. And Columbus has a lot of guys. Their program is still going strong. Yeah. So it's a good program. But, you know. So, Danny Surfer. Oh, <laughs> I know Danny has things. Yeah, uh, I got we, things. I'm gonna change we, it up. Though. We have our we have our parting recommendation. Okay. There it is. That's right. I, I just call it the things the we things. do at the end of the yeah, podcast. The things that we do at the end. So uh, I have a feeling that yours are gonna be better than ours. So we no, should... no. I was gonna say have yo-yo be one, but I'm I'm pivoting since you broke broke my yo-yo news early. So there's two things. One, it's a show on Netflix. It's called The Boys. It's fucking awesome. No, that's not on Netflix. I mean Prime. Oh, Amazon yes. Prime. Oh, I the watched boys. the whole show. It's so good. It's amazing. It is an outstanding show because I love superhero stuff. And this show is like, what if superheroes are regular people and they were assholes? And I know. I love it. It was awesome. It's good. Yeah. I cannot wait for the second season. And two, um, there's like these orange creamsicle Twizzlers now. <laughs> the best. There. That is the best recommendation we've ever had. <laughs> they're Easily. so they're so good. They're like so. I've eaten a lot of different things that are trying to be like a creamsicle, and it's not doesn't hit it. Like this hits it. This hits the creamsicle flavor. This orange creamsicle flavor pretty hard, and it's nice and soft, and it's it's a really good. Might be my like I've been I like Twizzlers, but this might be my favorite flavor and thing they do. So you know what we're gonna do? Uh, we're gonna try to keep this whole raffle on Patreon thing going. Okay. At some point, I'm gonna track you down at whatever restaurant you're at that day and i'm gonna ask you to sign some orange creamsicle twizzlers <laughs> and we will ship that off to some lucky winner on patreon <laughs> uh, uh patreon is awesome so um 
Mike, you have any parting recommendations? Yeah, for the I'm people? looking it up right now. I started watching a show on Netflix. Should I go actually. ahead while you're looking? Yeah, you go ahead. All right, so I'm going to recommend. Oh, we were talking earlier about YouTube rabbit holes. Yeah. I'm going to recommend uh, a channel called Turquoise Jeep Music. If you are into uh, 90s era oh. rap and R&B. They're oh, like, what else is I, there? I just I wow. want to interrupt you. Wow, sorry. I can't help it. <laughs> so I'm very big on music in the restaurant. Yeah. I have to say that Danny Surfer's playlists are the yeah. only ones that rival my own. Oh, so we're going to have to borrow that playlist for our Spotify channel. So I mean, can, it is. So I mean, people it goes, can feel like they're <laughs> in your restaurant. I like, and, you know, the music at Ariette is always very loud, but and Danny's is not. But if you listen, it'll go from, like, just, like, it's it'll go from, like, chronic 2001 yes. to, uh, uh, to Serge Gainsbourg. Yeah, it's, ama- <laughs> it's amazing. It blows my mind. And maybe a little uh, uh, early 90s, yeah, Tom yeah. Cochran, Life is a Highway. <laughs> there you go. So Turquoise Jeep, if you're into that, it's like it's as catchy as all that, but it's also spoofing the genre okay. at the same time. So they have uh, rap songs like uh, Let Me Smang It Girl, which is a whole song about how he likes to both smash and bang. <laughs> uh, Damn. It's good shit. It's great stuff. Um, so, yeah, I know they're touring right now. Unfortunately, they're not coming. But I'm, I'm using this podcast to lobby for them to add a tour stop in Miami. So um, that's, that's my thing. Mike, I wrote it got? down. So my things... I really, really despise reality television. I cannot stand it. I think it's terrible. It's like a bane to my existence. But, and I don't like competition shows either. But on Netflix, they started doing this show, Rhythm and Flow. Uh, it's kind of like, um, it's with Chance the Rapper, Cardi B, which I'm not a fan, but people like her. And, um, so, oh, T.I. Okay. And what they're doing is they're going to cities. People are auditioning. And then they're picking them for like T.I. CIP is that guy? Yeah, yeah. My wife uh, walked down, or my bet, my groomsman walked down the aisle at my wedding to, or no, my wife did to whatever you like. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes complete sense. Uh, and uh, you know, they go to different cities and they're doing auditions, and then they go to like a bigger thing. And I, there's I, there's some good talent out there. Yep. So it's something that I find refreshing because I find modern day hip hop quite terrible. So I'm, I'm going to add a recommendation here. Oh, man, your recommendations in the hip-hop it's department another, It's are... another YouTube. What do you... No, relax. Go on. That's, right, you're the one who had me listening to DaBaby. So no, I did the, but <laughs> yes, I only, you did. I only did that to prove to you there was someone called DaBaby. But you knew what you were doing. <laughs> I, 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 I ended up listening to some song by a guy named DaBaby featuring that, Lil Baby. That he... <laughs> <laughs> that he cries. Cries in the song. He says, wah, wah, wah in the song. I can't even tell if you guys are being serious or not. No, no it's totally not serious. It's fucking but, amazing. Uh, but no, uh, Mercules. Mercules is good. Oh, uh, the, just the name guy. is pretty amazing. Mercules is that good. That is a good name. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, Mercules. M-E-R-K-U-L-E-S. Mercules. Yeah. Everyone write that down. Uh, also, there's a good new album by Jadena. I think I'm saying his name right. It's called 85 to Africa. I've been listening to that on repeat. It's very good. Good stuff. I recommend it uh, for everyone. It's got like a really good 90s feel to it, so... I've liked that a lot. I uh, also 
Um, I think that's all I have. Yeah, save them for the next one. Save them for the yeah, next one. Yeah, you gotta, you know, don't, don't empty the tank. No, but I mean, I eat a lot of food. So. Oh, okay. Most uh, recent. The most recent thing that was worth recommending. I recently ate at Fiola in Coral Gables, and their tortellini and brodo was delicious. Excellent. Shameless plug time. Yes. Danny Surfer, shamelessly plug away. I, I like that we uh, don't have to explain this. Follow us on all the social media things. Minionette, M-I-A, Vinaigrette Subs, and Blue Collar Miami. Same on all of them, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and the websites. Did, did you catch that he said all the social media things? Yeah. yeah. I, nobody oh, listens. Man! Nobody is as fan of the podcast here! as I am. We're a big fucking deal. We're a big um, deal, man. I'd like to specifically plug uh, vinaigrettesubs.com because... You can spell it incorrectly, and it'll still redirect to the right website because I bought the incorrect spelling to redirect because it's such a hard word to spell. And we do a lot of corporate catering there. So if you have a law firm in Miami and you want subs for your big meeting, you can call us. And also, if you're having a sporting event for – I'm air quoting. That's also from – I'm doing the things, air quotes. uh, For the big game, whatever the big game is, you can call us for a six-foot party sub. I I would like to plug an article that came out earlier today, actually last night. It's from the Los Angeles Times, written by Hannah Raskin. It is titled, The Festival Industrial Complex, How Food Festivals Hurt the Chefs They're Meant to Help. And I, I will absolutely send this to you, and I think it's quite enlightening. I think that this is something that everyone should read. Uh, I've read it twice, and uh, I think it really highlights a lot of things that local chefs deal with that no one would expect, and I I think it's a fascinating read. Um, And, yeah, I think this is one of those things that people need to change their outlook on, I think. Cool. Your shameless plugs. Shameless plugs. Area at Miami. Mm Mm-hmm. Nave Miami, Chug's Diner. Yes. <laughs> you could also uh, time out underscore Lenya. And my personal thing is Pig Inc. on all the things. And um, stay tuned for the opening date of Nave Miami, which is happening soon. Stay tuned to the area at Miami one for some new exciting news about a new program and new menu items that will be dropping for the fall Good stuff. um so i think those are all my things all right, so now we shamelessly plug ourselves and like a hot china and uh, like yeah we'll shut out like a hot china yeah, shut them out uh so this was the last we'll shut them out ex- uh, a little extra because uh you should buy a gahachina and tell them we sent you because this is the last episode they paid for and we want to hurry up last one so um so you can find bangong podcast on all the social media things at bangong podcast like a podcast sandwich you can find us at dademag.com slash podcast, or just go to dademag.com. You'll find all the most recent stuff there mixed in with other stuff. Uh, and for as little as a buck a month, you can support us on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash dademag. That's D-A-D-E-M-A-G. Uh, so right now, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up this podcast. I'm going to lobby as hard as I have to for a yo-yo video. And no, then, he's not, he's not going to put up a fight. Okay. Yeah. He's not gonna <laughs> and then, and then, this is another moment of Bunkum Podcast history. We are going to take a picture, a cross episode photo, 
because my understanding is that Vicky Collado, the director of Amparo, oh, yeah. is uh, is over here somewhere. I'd, I'd also like to point out that... She was here when I had dinner last time, too, with, with you. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Double Vicky sighting. Um, I'd also like to point out, if you could refer to back episodes of Tea Time with Mike and Mike, you can hear another episode with Danny Surfer. Obligatory Demo shout-out. Yeah. Oh, man, the Demo <laughs> shout-outs. They're back. Um, and that was also a great episode, very enlightening to, uh, you know, the background of Chef Danny Surfer. I'm going to do another Tea Time plug Whoa. because there's this other connection here. There's an interview in there with Devin Braddock. Ah, And that's yes. like a little, you know, Oh, that view. was so funny when you came in to talk to me about Devin. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll talk about this story. <laughs> let, no, let okay, me talk okay, about okay. the story. I know it's the end, but you know we, ne- we never finish it. Oh, it so so D- Devin Braddock, which is uh, the Arc Hospitality, extremely talented, hardworking pastry chef that I love dearly, used to work for Chef Danny. And with? Yeah, with. Um, and um, I wanted to hire her. <laughs> and um, she had interest in joining the team. So I, I wanted to talk to Danny about this before I offered her a job. And she, of course, because she can't keep any secrets, um, told Danny that she had interest in doing this and that I had interest in hiring her. So I asked Danny if he wanted to get together for coffee, even though I do it all the time, if he wants to get together for coffee. And the first thing he did when we sat down was call me a piece of shit (laughs) and then berated me for about four minutes. And I sat there like a fucking asshole. And then he started laughing. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I'm a big fan of this. Because I am very big, unlike certain people in this city, about not poaching important employees from other people so i would That's the not best way to get employees you know someone's good somewhere else yeah but i would never do that from a friend and someone that i respect there are certain levels of respect and when you respect the people around you you do not poach their employees Except and if the they, guy who poached an employee i did not poach <laughs> an employee i asked you first before i offered her a job and you gave me the blessing to do so that's not how I remember it. But. That is exactly how that <laughs> happened. Let's not get into the semantics of the situation. Mm. But we could not be more happy that Devin, uh, our my favorite pastry chef ever, is at my favorite restaurants in Miami. Yeah. So that was that was a very uh, I was stressed. It was a stressful time it was for funny. me. I was stressed. I that didn't like funny. doing that. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of that. That was it was hilarious. Fuck you. <laughs> Devin also recently met her favorite member of this podcast crew. Anyways, Petey's not Petey here. the dog. Petey the dog couldn't be here tonight. So, uh, you know, apologies to Petey the dog. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is where we end and move on to yo-yos and photos. <laughs> okay. All right, thanks a lot. All right, it's hard to do certain tricks with this much humidity. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's, I'm really glad we got that in. Stop recording, please. That's perfect. Boop 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 bo